0: GM, welcome to Web3 Academy. It's the weekly roll-up. It's the only place you need to come every week to get all the news in Web3. And we got another one that is full of news. And it's only good news. It's all the good news for you today. I'm Jay Bird. I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Reedhead. And today we got special guest, Andrew Saunders with us. What's up, Andrew? What's up? Let's roll it up. Okay, I'm going to give more on you in a moment, Andrew, to give a bit of an intro. But before that, Kai, what's our what's our rundown for today's show?
1: We got a special show today. One, because we have our good friend Andrew with us. But two, because Vayner3 just released their top, I guess, Web3 trends that they're seeing in 2022. And they have eight trends. And so we're actually just going to break down all eight trends. We're going to go through this report And that's going to be the bulk of the episode. What we're going to do is take the news that's happened over the last week and apply that to these trends. So some of the trends are brands taking big swings and making millions, tech giants investing and onboarding, crypto payments are becoming for real. Web3 Mobile is going exponential, which is sweet. We need that in the future. Is it multi-chain or not? We'll have that question and we'll discuss that as well. But Jay, tell us. Who is Andrew? And what's going on here? Wait,
2: One quick thing. Shout out to Gary V. For anyone that doesn't know, I used to be a you know talent agent back in the day. We used to actually represent Gary V. in the wine library TV days. And I remember, you know, hanging out with him at a South by like way back when great dude. So very, very excited to see all the success that he's had over the years.
0: Yeah. A, a fellow Isn't legend I? alongside yourself, Andrew. So super stoked to have Local you. Local legend. On. I'm putting you up next to Gary. I'm putting you up <laughs> no, next to Gary, no true. doubt. For those of you who don't remember, Andrew was on the show back in October early October where we discussed his move from Amazon to Arbitrum. He's the CMO at Arbitrum. And we talked about why he made that move and what he was excited about at web three and what, where Arbitrum was at and what their plans were moving forward. And so recommend you guys go back and take a listen to that show. But you know, Am- Andrew brings just a wealth of knowledge, former Tastemade, former NBC U- universal former worked with so many others yeah. Will Will Ferrell. (laughs) I know you've done so much work through your talent agency that you ran for nine years in the past. So just a a legend to have on the show. Really excited to have you back. Uh, Thanks for
2: having me. It's
0: going to be a good (laughs) one today.
1: And a shout out to those listening and watching live. This is like the, I don't know, a few weeks now we've been doing this and this is fun. So we're now on Twitter and YouTube. You can watch live every week at, what is it, 11 a.m. EST. We are currently battling with the Portugal game for World Cup. And so if you're watching (laughs) us and not Portugal, then you're the best. Like you are, you're a trooper. We love it.
2: And don't forget (laughs) friends, anything can happen when you're live.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, before we jump into the show, let's just take a minute to share some gratitude. Kai, what are you grateful for today?
1: Well, first of all, a happy Thanksgiving to all the Americans listening and watching. It is the American Thanksgiving. As we record this, those listening on the podcast, you won't get this till the day after. But uh, so big shout out to all the Americans. I am grateful today for afternoon beers with buddies. That's what happened yesterday because of the Canada game and the World Cup. I went with my dad and a good buddy to a bar that we used to go to when we were younger, Joe Cools. Jay, you know Joe Cools. Oh, yeah. And uh, Canada <laughs> game. Canada played hard. It was a great game. And that uh, was just fun to, to shoot the shit and have a couple pitchers of beer.
2: Love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. I'm What's grateful. your gratitude, Andrew? Oh, yeah. You go. Uh, yeah, I mean, mine, mine doesn't change a whole lot. I'm grateful for my family, especially my mother right now, who drove in from Palm Springs and is watching my two-year-old. So shout out to mom. I'm grateful for, you know, friends, both online and offline. And then last but not least, the Arbitrum community, of course. Big shout out to the Arbonats Arbonnats.
1: Jay, how's you? What's your gratitude for today? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for puzzles. It's, oh, uh, it's getting
0: cold puzzle. here. We busted a puzzle out the other day. I know that might make me sound like the lamest person on <laughs> earth, but you know, it's nothing like just the getting into a good puzzle. I'm and and they're think...
2: calling you Puzzbird. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we're launching a store soon, and I'm not going to lie. I've been considering creating an Arbitrum puzzle. So oh, you thank you for, you for confirming my assumptions. i, I got, got a friend that some...
0: it, it owns a puzzle company. So oh, actually, nice. Yeah.
2: I think this uh, up
1: at a conference like a year and something ago, and I always use it. You're I mean, listening uh, to this. There's a comparison going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get into the episode, a few things. One, if you're listening to the show, please subscribe. Please, please follow on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever the heck you're listening. That helps us grow. Easy thing for you to do. And it's a big, makes a big impact for us. So we thank you for your support. And before we get into the episode, let's take a quick second to listen to our sponsors. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles and that's their product and business. Instead, they're tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we've partnered with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit Lens.xyz to learn more today.
2: Good ad for Lens. <laughs> I like I like those guys. I like Stani and Nader quite a bit, so shout out to those guys. <laughs> Shout out to the sponsor. We don't have that happen very often. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs>
0: all right. Today's show is all about what to watch in Web3, eight trends for enterprises in 2023. And this was a report that was launched this week by Vayner3, Gary V's Web3 play and Web3 agency. And so we want to break this down, take you through this report today, give you the eight trends, but then also weave the news in throughout. Surprisingly, Web3 social graph was not one of these trends. So it's a good thing we got a lens from ad, uh, an ad from lens, because that's important, but that's okay. Really,
2: their lens was foggy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay. So let me just give a
0: a little bit of an intro overview of the intro and the state of the union that they gave here. A couple of things that they mentioned off the top. One is their definition of Web3. And I think it's important to take a step back and define Web3. And it's such a difficult thing to define because so much is happening and so much innovation is changing so fast. But the way they define it is really interesting. So they define it based upon four new technologies, cryptocurrency, NFTs, DeFi, and the metaverse. And those four technologies, basically, they see those as the pillars of Web3. And then supporting that as a result, really, of these new technologies, they also believe an important layer of Web3 is culture and consumer behavior. And what they say is emerging technology is driving a renaissance of exciting new cultural moments in digital art, fashion, music, gaming, and digital identity. And that's really... What we talk so much about on this show and what all of those four pillars plus that layer of culture and consumer behavior is leading to the creation of the consumer blockchain and essentially what they're saying is what they saw and what we've seen is that 2021 and 2022 and 2020 were really the years of experimentation Mm -hmm. been so many entrants into the space in particular they point out that Pre-2022, they only had a few clients. I mean, Vayner3 didn't really exist yet, but Vayner Media was taking on Web3 clients, but they only had a few clients that were looking at Web3. In the past year, they've seen tremendous growth across you know, Fortune 100 companies that are coming to them and looking to get into the space, and that's leading to the potential for tremendous growth that we think is going to come in 2023.
1: And even now in the bear market, right? <clears throat> Everyone's worried that crypto dead, Web3 is dead. It is not. They are still, they're still at record amount of, of clients and companies that are interested in building Web3. So we are still thriving. Web3 is thriving.
2: Yep. Not okay, going let's in- anywhere.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's get into the first trend here. So the first trend is brands are taking Web3 seriously with bigger swings and intentional strategies. And there's just a few things. Let me lay, tee this up for you guys and then I'd love you guys to share your thoughts. First thing they show is they show a graph. I'm sure many people have seen this, but I just yeah. wanna call it some numbers. Of the biggest brands that are making significant money in Web3, it's no wonder that brands are looking to get into Web3. Nike made 184 million so far, Dolce & Gabbana 23 million, Tiffany 12 million, Gucci 11, Adidas 11, Time Magazine 10, and the list goes on. So we're seeing real dollars coming from these emergence into Web3. Now, the focus that they have pointed out is that there's sort of These brands are onboarding, but they're doing it in three ways. One is they're offering clear web three products. Two is they're providing a customer targeting around either web three natives or the broader market. And three is the way that they're going to market and their go-to-market strategy. And so let's just dive into, first, I actually want to talk about the product archetypes that they break down. So they break down five product archetypes. Bundles, which are digital plus phys- physical experiential. So we've mm-hmm. seen that come a lot from Tiffany & Co launched the CryptoPunk where you could get an NFT and then you could have your CryptoPunk created as a piece of jewelry in a pennant. Digital world worlds and wearables, which we've seen Nike and Gucci do. Token-gated product experiences, which we've seen Time and Budweiser do. Token enabled focus groups, which is Lacoste is doing, and an engagement and loyalty and rewards, which Starbucks is working on, and hopefully will be coming out with something big in 2023.
1: Yeah, and I would say the one thing is the numbers of revenue is actually quite small that you listed off. Like the top ten companies, it's not like 10 million, 20 million. That's not a lot of money for Nike and for you know some of these bigger companies. I think what they're really doing here is they're trying to create these new experiences for their fans things that they couldn't do in the web 2 world which of these five archetypes that you just you know named off like these are all about creating experience creating loyalty creating like new forms of engagement and like just having their i guess fans or their customers like interact with their brand in a very different way that they've never done before that's where i think most of these enterprise companies are kind of like toying with first and playing around with I would assume anyway, that most of them are not thinking revenue first. Andrew, maybe this is your area of expertise since you're the enterprise and and this is like an area you've played around in. And I think (laughs) when we talked to you last time, you've been a lot with enterprises who are entering new spaces when social media came out and mobile, and you said you were a part of those experiences. What's your take on what enterprise or the big companies are doing right now as they enter into Web3?
2: Yeah, great questions. I mean, yes, I mean, a lot of what I was doing at Amazon was helping to build their, you know, cultural marketing practice, which, you know, that meant getting into podcast marketing, getting into, you know, things like this that were a little more innovative. I'll just kind of go through the archetypes and give you some thoughts. I do enjoy, I don't like using this term, but the fidgetal experience, you know, the the convergence of physical and digital, I think is always interesting. I think the key thing here is one, you know, and and Tiffany's I do think did it right. You've got to create in a way that's scarce and exclusive and whatever that physical product is, has to be that scarcity and exclusivity. Has to, in my opinion, be on par with the digital scarcity and exclusivity. I think the one thing that I worry a little bit about from a long term perspective is like the disconnection between the physical and digital, right? So, for example, let's say I buy the Tiffany's NFT that comes with the jewelry. You know, what happens if I then sell the jewelry? And I think, you know, that will obviously make certain ones significantly more valuable because they'll go up because they're still the best analogy I can make is, you know, folks that leave their toys in the box versus folks that take them out. But I think you're going to see a little bit of that happening. Over time, where you'll almost have, you know, again, three different tiers there, where you'll have the ones that are still fully intact. You'll have, you know, whatever folks value more, maybe the digital asset, because there could be future drops, and then maybe the physical asset. So it'll be interesting to see that happen over time. Um, The notion of digital world and wearables, like, I personally still think, as someone that was very early in AR and VR, like, the metaverse is very early and very kind of premature right now. I do think once we see, what I would call kind of more of that open metaverse. So multiple metaverses connecting the ability to take avatars cross, you know, cross company. I think that's going to make the digital wearables more interesting and more exciting. I think my concern around that space right now is someone that, you know, lived in the early days of social is like, you have a lot of traditional web two businesses that intentionally create gates and walled gardens, you know, for obvious reasons. And so I think one question I have there is, you know, what is the evolution of those walled gardens? Do they truly open up and connect with each other or are we going to see, you know, a, a evaluation of wearable digital wearables because again they are so limited right, right. token getting products and experiences me, uh, yeah yeah,
0: yeah I want to use that to launch into one piece of news that yeah. is very relevant to what you just said which sure. is Adidas Adidas just came out with their virtual gear this week and so and it was interesting to see the way in which they announced this it's their first so adidas has had multiple nft collections they've got they've done well they've made over 10 million Mm dollars but they have said from the beginning that their focus is on the web3 natives and creating Mm -hmm. virtual gear that can be taken across metaverses right and so it's early and you know how this will play out but let me just give you the rundown of what they've done here so they released their new nft collection they called it virtual gear interesting Mm-hmm. Nike dot swoosh use virtual creations, mm-hmm. Adidas use virtual gears. We're seeing some, I guess, Digital partnership smuggable. maybe between them. they yeah, yeah. agreed on the word virtual. I don't know. Well, uh, I wonder because you
1: know, Nike just launched last week, and now all of a sudden Adidas launches now. I'm like, did they actually mean to launch this week, or are they like, <laughs> oh shit, dot swoosh launch? We, we got to get our ass in, gear in gear advantage. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think happened. But anyway, yeah no, <laughs> Go cool. on, and so try. the it's. The NFT collection
0: is eight styles and a total of 16 variations with various rarities. And it's metaverse wear. This is not currently, it is only virtual wear. It's not currently uh, meant to be physical. However, they have left the door open as, of course, that potentially in the future. Although I looked at some of these and I don't know. A, I don't really know if they'd be able to make them physical. And if they did, I don't know how I wouldn't wear it personally. It's bizarre fashion. It's very much like a metaverse hip virtual fashion. You can see like it one,
2: like one in, sleeve, basically. No. Yeah, <laughs> in a
0: game it would make sense, right? It's like it's like one of them's like a hoodie that's like bright pink and has like apes on it and you know it's cool it kind of looks like assassin's creed sort of vibe like cool for a game but um,
1: did you guys see i forget what award it was on the american music awards or whatever and whoever it was one of the big singers i wasn't really paying attention but had these like spikes on his suit the whole thing it was like he had spikes on his shoulders his chest like his back the whole thing was spikes i was like what how did you even put that on insane so i don't know people wear crazy stuff
2: well it's funny <laughs> shout, about that. shout either. out to kyle for keeping on-air music award shows in <laughs> <laughs> and
0: they did what's funny about that guy is they did a, a twitter space with with gordon and uh, garga from two of the founders of board of yuga labs yeah. and mm-hmm. in that twitter space they said that they've had a big music artist reach out to adidas and say that they will wear the collection in mm-hmm. physical version on a world yeah, tour, although maybe yeah. it's a metaverse tour. I'm not sure, but interesting to see, as you said, so we're seeing that just this week, an announcement of a new digital wearable coming mm-hmm. out Interesting. to me. The thing here is trying to understand interoperability. It's still so yes. early. So like, yes. how will that work and when will yeah. that start work?
2: And two is to like, can I, what can I, what's the utility of this right now? And I think think also too, like one thing that will, I mean, this is an opinion, obviously not not a fact, but one thing that I think we'll see longer term is, you know, when you think about, you know, the resale industry, right? So, you know, eBay, excuse me, you know, they print money. You know, it's a great business model. You look at StockX, you look at, you know, a lot of these firms that have emerged. And I don't think it's crazy to think that you're going to see that happening for the convergence of physical and digital in the future, right? So, you know, if you take something like a StockX and, you know, imagine it's owned by a Nike, I think you're going to see Both physical Nike shoes on there and virtual Nike shoes on there. And then also, like we talked about for Tiffany's, things where both are combined. I think that's the future. I think the question becomes do we have an enormous ecosystem of fragmented marketplaces or do we have centralized marketplaces that others are a part of? And I think, you know, going back to my Amazon days, obviously, you know, it's, you know, third party sales and things like that. But when you think about kind of the decentralization and open nature of Web3, I do think it's possible that we could end up seeing you know, a centralized marketplace that treats every single, you know, seller fairly, which I think would be better because then you're going to have all these products in one centralized location and, you know, data to compare against versus having them all fragmented and disconnected, you know? Yeah.
0: Okay. The other two news items I want to mention here before we move on to the next trend to other brands making announcements. First is Hot Wheels. Hot
2: Everybody's Do your kids, Andrew, do they play with Hot Wheels? Oh my God. Like all the holes in my walls and tables say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So you're the, per- I'm glad,
0: I'm so glad we have you on the show today. Cause Kai and I don't have kids. So we were, and we actually we were- did. So, you know, when I was
2: at CAA, we represented Mattel. So we were helping them, you know, take IP and turn it into, you know, motion pictures and things like that. So very familiar with, uh, with Mattel and, and the Hot Wheels business. Okay. So that's exactly what Mattel has done here. Mattel yeah. has taken Hot Wheels and they've made an NFT collection
0: where you can purchase a part of the collection and you will get a, you know, a Hot Wheel. Like they, this again is not fidgetal yet right now mm-hmm. it's just digital but there's the potential that this could be fidgetal and you could redeem and get a physical version in the future what do you think about what do you think about this I think the interesting thing that they talked about yeah. in the report was the way that brands are going to market so and there's obviously been examples of brands going to market very powerful ways that is there's been flops recently. We saw Lord of the Rings go to market with an NFT and they didn't even sell it out. And the NFT was like $30. Curious
2: curious to to hear what you guys think about this and Mattel making this move into Web3. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think, you know, there's, as we all know, within Web3, there's communities and sub communities. I mean, the Hot Wheels collector community is a pretty sizable one. It's Mm -hmm. pretty global. And I do think, again, you have a lot of different tiers. You have folks that are collecting, you know, vintage Hot Wheels. You have folks that are, you know, trying to have full sets of things, but This is one where it makes sense to me. You know, I see certain kind of consumer and web two brands enter web three and I just go, why? Or I go, this is just such a strange use case. This one to me just makes total sense. I think the question becomes like, How it how does it evolve and where does it evolve? Right? Are we going to start to see these things integrated into you know third party markets, marketplaces? Are we going to see the convergence of physical? But do you think Hot Wheels is a brand that has the ability in the community to enter this space intelligently and actually win? Yeah,
1: right. And it's a thing that you like you said cars. People have been collecting cars for forever, right? And especially Hot Wheels as well is something that people actually collect. So it makes sense as a collectible, which is all this is currently. Where this stuff really excites me is when this NFT or this Hot Wheels car ends up becoming a virtual good that you can use in the metaverse. And instead of just playing with your Hot Wheels car that's putting holes in your wall, Andrew, your kids can put their VR headset on and go and jump into their NFT Hot Wheels car and yep. go drive it. You know what I mean? Yep. And then it's maybe a dynamic NFT where after they race it, they can soup it up and put things on it and paint it and make it different colors. And mm-hmm. like now they're like building their own car as like a, as a kid and they're doing it as a Hot Wheels NFT that's yep. the stuff that really excites me. Now, I think, as you said, we're far away from that being a thing. But yeah. that's where I think this is going. And we got to start somewhere. Yep. And it seems like they're going to start with some collectibles. And then I yeah. bet they start to make more virtual, I don't know what they'll call it, virtual gear, mm-hmm. virtual, whatever. Yeah. But that's what excites me for Hot Wheels in the future.
2: Well, and even I, you know, I'm going to take a trip down memory lane. Like you look at the crypto Katie's model and it's what happens when you can take two completely separate cars from two completely different brands. I'll give you an example. I love, you know, vintage defenders, you know, I also love vintage Porsches, you know, can I take those two cars and now have a baby that's a first of its kind, you know, defender Porsche hybrid, which isn't going to probably violate any, you know, IP issues or rights, you know, and then I think beyond that, the question becomes, and I'll give you an example. I used to work with Scion way back in the day, we did a series for them. That was very much like pimp my ride. So what? happens when you can start to really customize these things and buy additions. So for example, you know, I'm going to pay $3 more for tinted windows. I'm going to pay, you know, $10 more for my car to have a lift kit on it. Right. So this is just a world where I think there's a lot of possibility and potential. And I think what it's just going to boil down to is who at Mattel is running the show, how crypto native are they, who are they aligning with for guidance? But this one I personally think could be really interesting long-term. Yeah. One
0: more go-to-market strategy we're seeing is partnership. A lot of existing brands are saying, okay, well, one of the great ways to go to market is to find a web three brand and a community that's very successful. And here's one that just happened this week. Kellogg's Tony, the tiger, is going to be on a cereal box next to a pudgy penguin so (laughs) pudgy penguins has done a partnership with kellogg's and shout out to churro at public pudgy penguins and they're going to be on a cereal box and so there's another we've seen adidas do this we've seen a bunch of brands do this so another great go-to-market strategy is find a, a strong community in web3 do a mm-hmm. partnership and use each other's brand and yeah. cross-pollinate.
2: I like it. I mean, I know a lot of folks had mixed opinions on it. I think my take on it is you're looking at two completely independent IP that share a lot of similarities and char- characteristics, right? So when you think about the notion of audience development, what's the likelihood that like someone that loves the animated character, Tony, the tiger also potentially loves the animated character of a pudgy penguin pretty high. So I looked at this and I know they did something with, with sappy seals, I think also, but I look at this and I go, it just makes sense to me as a marketer. And then I think the question be- becomes, where do you go beyond? on this, you know, in in either IP's direction, right? Mm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Next next? up, let's go to the second trend here. Second trend is tech giants, investments, and pilots are bringing significant new audience into web 2.5. So let me just give you a rundown here and then we'll get you guys input. But Basically, we're seeing massive investment. So, Meta has invested 10, 10 billion already into their metaverse technology. Microsoft and Google estimated that Microsoft has done about 500 million, that Google's done about 1.5 billion. So, we're seeing huge investments and it's starting to pay off. You know, we look at, they've got a great chart here where they talk about what's happened in the past, basically all in 2022, is yeah. Shopify has introduced NFT gating for their stores. Salesforce announced their NFT cloud platform where you can mint and sell NFTs within Salesforce. Google started running validators. Twitter early in 2022 did verified NFTs. Reddit onboarded a whole bunch of people with their digital wallet and new avatar collection. And then just what, last week, two weeks ago, Meta announced digital collectible sales trading on Polygon through their core app, which is going to reach like 160 million people on Instagram that can now buy and sell NFTs internally. So there there's this massive investment and it's leading to mass adoption but it's still so early so I think 2023 could see really big numbers in adoption.
2: Yeah. I mean, a couple of things I'd call out. One, you know, what's exciting for me is Reddit. We actually, we actually competed with a number of platforms and they chose us to actually help bring community points into the blockchain ecosystem. And so that's actually built on uh, on Arbitrum Nova, which has been really exciting. And then Google, and specifically the Google Clouds team we've worked with quite a bit, and they're a formal partner of Arbitrum. So I think just, you know, that alone, I'm seeing it firsthand and it's super exciting. I mean, the teams that we're working with have been really wonderful. The other thing I noticed on here that's really interesting for me is like when I look at specifically a Shopify or salesforce you know i look at these as a bit of let's call it syndicated technologies right so what i love about the shopify piece is all of a sudden you're integrating something into a centralized technology platform that now has the ability to then you know get syndicated across you know let's call it millions of sites globally that is like super super interesting to me because it means that instead of having one swing at getting it right, you know, Shopify in a sense now has millions of opportunities to get Mm -hmm. it right, which I think is Mm -hmm. is interesting. Yeah.
1: My, my big takeaway from all this is the thing that excites me, I think is, so most of the brands that we just talked about that have integrated web three into their platforms like Reddit and Twitter and Instagram, et cetera, they've all just kind of dipped their toes in over the last two years and have been experimenting, right. Innovating. And almost all of them have seen some form of success. And so What's really cool about this is they're past the experimentation stage. And it's like what I feel like is next year, 2023, is where they start to unleash or sort of unravel this stuff fully across their application. So, like, Instagram has allowed a few creators to post, to make posts that are actually NFTs, right? And some people to see them and some people to connect their wallets and Instagram. Well, mm-hmm. now they're allowing this to every single person. There's a, you know, 2 billion people that use Instagram. Twitter, they did the verification for only, I think it was like people who were using Twitter Blue. I mean, I don't know what they're gonna do because Elon's all over the place, but like they've tested and now it's like they can then Litter. unleash this to light. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like a lot of them have now gone through their experimentation phase and now they yep. can start to unleash this to everyone. And that's when this just becomes so, so massive because we're still so niche, yeah. right? What is it? 20, 30 million wallets in total or something in Web3. The moment that instagram and reddit unlock this to their 500 million to 2 billion users like yep. it just goes through the roof and i've already mm-hmm. heard of some some rumors that reddit is looking to launch i think a new avatar pfp i think it was the polygon founder that tweeted this out was it yesterday or two days ago and i guess in their test wallet so the wallet they used last time they did it they they had minted an nft and you could see it and uh, and then they went and did the real one like a week or two later. Well, they huh. just minted a new one on their test NFT, and it looks like something completely different. They think it's like avatar PFPs, and huh. uh, so there's potential that that's coming as well, which is pretty exciting.
2: Part of what I think is so interesting about this in general is, I mean, we know this, but like bear markets are for building. So what I, what makes me really excited to see this chart is, you know you couldn't probably ask for a better builder set here from like traditional business. Right. And so what this means to me is these companies were smart enough to get ahead of the curve, you know, spend the bear market building, doing research, creating alignments, things like that. And then the second we start to hit another bull market, like they're, po- they're poised for success. Whereas you'll start to see a lot of other brands probably trying to play catch up, you know?
1: Right. You know, yeah. who hasn't been on these lists that I'm curious about is Amazon. You look at the names there's all the biggest companies. Where the heck is Amazon, Andrew? <laughs> I mean, I know a
2: lot of alpha there but I unfortunately can't, can't talk about it. Yeah. All
1: right.
0: <laughs> what one more big news that we saw this week come out was WooCommerce partner with Deepay. So WooCommerce is one of the largest, if not the largest. I think they have of online transactions go through WooCommerce. Massive amounts. I don't think many people, most consumers would not even know who WooCommerce is. It's really just in the background. But it is supporting the e-commerce layer of the internet. And WooCommerce is partnered with Dpay so that they can start to accept crypto through Mm -hmm. their payment processing. And if you use WooCommerce currently and kyle and i have a bunch of clients that use woocommerce boom mm-hmm. all of a sudden now we can turn this on and we can start to accept crypto with those companies so that it's was yeah, this, thing what we saw.
1: this brings us into our third trend which is crypto payments acceptance is more than just a marketing stunt it's becoming a big thing and i mean to integrate into woocommerce is massive now is it the perfect experience not yet but we've already seen apple pay is starting to integrate into crypto and use payments for that with usdc and then and then now woocommerce which i mean forget how many sites are using WordPress and WooCommerce, but it's an insane amount. Like it's millions and millions. And now what happens is you can either just pay with credit card or you can just connect your wallet and you can pay with, I think it's basically any crypto. Um, Mm. And so it creates this kind of seamless experience. And to me, that's just, it's super exciting. We'll dive more into that, I guess here in the third trend. Yeah. Yeah. I think
0: this trend really points out. So the trend here is crypto payment acceptance is more than just a marketing stunt. Yep. And, I think a lot of people were looking at every time somebody was like, we now accept Bitcoin. They're like, okay, marketing stuff, you know, (laughs) and it worked. You got a whole bunch of PR buzz as a result of that. But let's just look at the numbers. So globally, there's over 15, estimated over 15,000 merchants now accepting cryptocurrency. So it's still small, but it's growing. I mean, the big number that stood out to me here is that in Q1 of 2022, 2.5 billion crypto was used on Visa's linked crypto cards. Mm. So 2.5 billion in transactions in Q1 of 2022, that's over five times year over year growth from the previous year. Maybe there was a dip this year, and obviously there's some external factors that are greatly affecting us right now, but I think that there is is great value to these businesses in accepting crypto because really it allows them to reach more of a global audience It allows increased engagement rewards. It's much simpler for transaction. It's increased data privacy for the buyer. It's lower transaction fees for the
2: seller. There's so
0: many benefits to this. So we're just going to see this continue to grow
2: yeah no i definitely agree i mean i think it's i think it's an important part of just mainstream adoption and mass adoption in general and uh, speaking of credit cards one thing that's actually really exciting in this space is we actually just had MoonPay launch on arbitrum which is really exciting so everyone at arbitrum is over the moon but you can now buy (laughs) you can now buy your uh, your eth your magic your usdc on arbitrum directly via credit card so you know i can tell you like last night All I saw on my entire feed was just people like cheering about the MoonPay integration. And uh, that's interesting because like I know that most of those people are, you know, crypto natives. So, you know, clearly that level of excitement is well warranted. I think this is the type of thing that's really going to impact mass adoption. It's just Mm -hmm. easier, more simple on ramps because we all know how hard it is to set up, you know, wallets and, you know, connect things and transfer things. So I think think this is definitely a a really important thing to kind of keep an eye on.
1: Well, and we think, I mean, payments has taken a while to become a thing because for the longest time, the last, you know, however many years in crypto, we've only really had Ethereum for smart contract blockchains, right? That was like a legitimate one that companies would actually build on, but you can't use Ethereum for payments, right? Even Bitcoin, you could barely use. Now, Lightning Network's getting built out kind of layer two on Bitcoin. So it's becoming a little bit more popular and more usable. And now with layer twos, this is now allowing the Ethereum ecosystem to be able to be used for payments because it's basically yep. cheap. I mean, it's basically free to use a layer two, like the transaction costs are so negligible that the company mm-hmm. could just cover it, right? Instead of getting the customer yep. to pay the gas fees. And so layer twos are really kind of unlocking and stablecoins. That combination is unlocking this ability to pay with crypto where it just becomes so much easier and makes so much more sense. And then I think something like MoonPay, where it's kind of like a it's basically like a Web2 experience, right? Like it's so easy, the way that they've made MoonPay just makes it so seamless yeah. for someone who's, I mean, because exactly. to go and get a MetaMask wallet to get your Coinbase account, to move it across, then bridge over to Arbitrum, which everyone should do, but it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> but most mainstream are not going to do all these steps to then right. go and use to pay crypto. Right. But when it becomes as easy as using MoonPay to just go credit card right onto a layer two to then mm-hmm. connect into anywhere, it's just, it's so seamless. It's so easy. And Jay said, it opens us up to commerce being used globally, right? Because now any country in the world can purchase these products if you're using crypto. Whereas when you're using the normal route, like Stripe, not all countries are allowed to use that, right? Especially now with Russia, they can't use it and a bunch of other countries. So it's like crypto just makes for this to be completely global and essentially free. So it's pretty Mm -hmm. amazing.
2: And also just going back to one of the questions you guys were trying to get a little alpha on. So interestingly enough, Twitch I have worked with very closely owned by Amazon. So I'll let you guys, you know, create your own, you know, uh, narratives on the back of that. But, you know, it's, you know, it's an Amazon company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and whenever that's, that's it. Okay. Anyway, and next. What would you do <laughs> if I just got up and just walked
1: away right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smack the mic. Yeah. But if we look at the... Look at these logos though that are on this page of who is yeah. now accepting crypto, and Twitch is one yep. of them, which I think is why you're you bring everybody. You have AT and T, Microsoft, the Dallas Mavericks, Tesla, yep. BMW, Coca Cola, Subway, Paxson. It's just all the biggest, Old right? Depot. And Old I can Depot. tell you too.
2: I'll tell you, I've worked with probably over my career a good 80, 90 percent of these brands, and they all make sense to me. So another good example there. Whole Foods, owned by Amazon, right? Right. So right. I think, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna draw generalizations on Amazon, but I think it's something important to kind of look at because is You know, you do have brands like, let's take a Coca-Cola, for example, you have a brand like Coca-Cola that has spent hundreds of years building their brand equity. The last thing they want to do is ever put that brand at risk. So what will they probably do? In my opinion, they'll probably pick a smaller brand to start with, right? And test and learn there, just like we do growth marketing. And then once they see that they might elevate it up from, you know, Sprite to Coke or from, you know, you know, this water brand to Sprite. So I think you're going to see like the experimentation happening with kind of the smaller brands and other things I notice on here, you know, Sun makes total sense to me knowing the age of their average customer this is a customer that's probably Aware and interested in the world of crypto, you know. Obviously, we've talked about the notion of kind of fidgetal. So a tag here for me makes total sense there. You know, I saw the recent news from Rolex. It's like the notion of collecting physical watches to you know digital entities is also just a really great thing from preventing fakes. Right? Like I now know for definitive fact this is a real watch or this is a real sneaker because it is specifically connected to this digital NFT. I mean, you can have as many folks as you want at uh, you know eBay kind of a sneakers, I guarantee you at some point, something, you know, maybe gets missed. I don't want to, I don't want to draw generalizations, but you know, I think just that notion is really interesting. And then obviously you look at the entertainment stuff and you look at the notion of fan tokens, you know, and loyalty clubs for fans. That makes total sense to me. And then obviously you've got Elon, so Tesla's on there. But I think, you know, it's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things here that make total sense. Or even a Nissan, you look at kind of where the headquarters is based. You look at APAC adoption of crypto, you know, but this list to me makes, makes total sense. Yeah. Okay,
0: let's,
2: yeah let's move go on, on to our
0: fourth, our fourth yes, uh, uh, trend tokening token ticketing is introducing new experiential models and you just mentioned this when you yeah. talked about events in the entertainment space this is exactly what this is laying out here is that there is there's incredible opportunities for large brands to use tokens to enhance an event. They break out three examples of that here, before an event, during event, and after an event, which I think is a great way to frame how you can think about using this. It depends upon when you want to engage your customer. They use the example of Coachella before an event. Coachella launched 10 lifetime access NFTs, generated $1.5 million in sales from that. Unfortunately, those are currently stuck, stuck on FTX, but the use case is still valid regardless of the launch partner that they unfortunately decided to use. But it allows so much in terms of the functional collectibles that act as tickets, but also as art. And then what does that do for membership and subscription? You could see this becoming a members club. Maybe Coachella allows these people to access artists throughout the year. Maybe they allow further opportunities for them. So there's so much you can do with this. Kai, you want to give this example of what Universal did during an event?
1: Yeah, sure. And the other thing with using tickets that just makes complete sense is now secondary sales is just so much easier, sure. right? Such a shit yeah. show in the Web2 world trying to. If you can try to buy a ticket to an event on the Facebook Marketplace, you have no idea if it's real or not. Using NFTs just completely solves that problem. So it's so obvious that's where this is going to go. That one's easy. During the event, is this is cool that they broke it up and said, okay, there's tickets, but there's more you can do with NFTs, right? And so there's during the event, which is Universal Studios has basically a whole playground where they are, right? And what they're doing is trying to create more engagement with the people that are already in there in Universal Studios. And so what they did is kind of like a scavenger mm-hmm. hunt where you got to go around the area and you got to find... I think it's qr codes or whatever which are actually nfts and you got to collect all these Mm -hmm. nfts and so those who can collect all of them however many there is they can win something or earn something and so it's a new little way of creating Mm -hmm. engagement for people who are already in your area or your event and so i think that's really cool i think we'll see a lot of those and then finally we have after the event which again this is just where you can reward people for coming to your events right especially if you use an nft as the ticket and then they do things during the event you now know not only who bought a ticket you know who actually showed up and was like engaging, and now yep. you can do other things with them later on. Whether that's some sort of remarketing, re-engagement for your next event, allows you to just do so much and know so much about your audience without knowing their
2: personal information, which we all love in the Web three world, right? <laughs> yeah. I think fun fact. I think uh, I think the uh, Universal NFTs, which I used to work for mcu I believe that was with MoonPay and Hypermint. I think that's how they pulled that off. Mm. Yeah. Yeah,
1: MoonPay is everywhere. It's because I think it auto creates like wallets for people and stuff. It's really cool what they're doing.
2: Well, and also the head of MoonPay Studios and I, we both worked at CA together, so they have like incredible relationships with celebrities in the Hollywood community. And obviously, that stuff's great for driving like mass awareness and excitement. I think like my take on this stuff in general is I do think it's very exciting and interesting. I think the key thing is. You just have to think of it from a long term P&L perspective, right? Like from an event standpoint where I think people run into to hiccups is, you know, I'm going to have this NFT and then I'm going to look at it like a Soho house. And then the next thing you know, you're going to get to go to a series of events But then if they're not continuously selling and trading the NFT and driving, you know, sustainable revenue, how do you sustain that model, right? So I actually tend to, from a before event standpoint, the notion of, you know, early access. So taking a nod from, let's call it like the credit card company model, you know, because I have this NFT, I get to buy it in advance or I get better access to front row seats or things like that. Or maybe I have access to buy exclusive merch that general public doesn't. And I know a lot of folks look at it as, you know, I'm going to invest this money in the NFT and expect all these freebies to come behind it. But I do think there's value in that notion of access. And I think you also just have to take a step back and go if I want this to be successful you know how do I as a consumer also enable a PL model that enables it to be successful you know absolutely yeah we've
0: talked so much about that on the show we won't I won't dive into that debate no, Karen sure, I have yeah. that P l debate all the time as <laughs> no. to are you better because what loudpunks did recently which is one of the largest hip hop music festivals they launched a 10,000 nFT collection that is a lifetime pass so we were really debating the p l and yeah. that I mean Coachella did 10 so okay 10 sure you can easily yeah. add 10 more people to coachella no problem right it's exactly massive. you know adding ten thousand more for the rest of your existence as a business and without the potential to continue to make revenue from them because let's right. assume royalties go to zero right. you know, it's, it is more of a dangerous well that's why P&L i like the gary v gary v was
1: like i think with theirs you got access to three years of events right so it was yeah. time bound smart. I mean, that's smart that's a much yeah. better way to do it Which, before we get into number five, that brings us to our next sponsor, which is Unlock Protocol. So speaking of time down NFTs, give us a minute, friends.
0: (laughs) Unlock Protocol is the NFT membership protocol for Web3. Content subscriptions, community access, event tickets, are all forms of memberships. One of the most common business models for creators and entrepreneurs today. Building an NFT membership opens many new possibilities for your members everything from tailored multi-platform experiences to the ability to sell an unfinished subscription on secondary markets. These are things just not possible in Web2. However, in order for this business model to work, creators need NFTs which are time-bound or have built-in recurring payments. Unlock Protocol does this for your NFTs. Better yet, with a few simple steps, you can create your own NFT contract without code. What WordPress has done for websites, Unlock Protocol is doing for membership NFTs. If you're an NFT creator, you can't rely on royalties as they are likely going to zero. You need recurring revenue. You need Unlock. At Web3 Academy, we believe NFT memberships are the future of business and community. And that's why we decided to build on Unlock. Learn more at unlock-protocol.com.
2: I'm here to hype all your sponsors. I also love Unlock Protocol, who's also on Arbitrum. Everyone's on Arbitrum. We actually just use them to mint some NFTs at DevCon for uh, for hackathons. So like those guys Mm. quite a bit. Yeah,
1: Unlock's doing some great things in the space. Our
2: sponsor is going to want you on the show every time, Andrew. Count (laughs) me in, sponsors. (laughs) All right, number five guys
0: comes from marketing.
2: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) number five.
0: The battle for Web3 mobile is heating up. This is, yeah, yeah. Andrew's getting excited over here. I'm He's so, so excited, excited for mobile. Yeah, Fist pumps. This is so exciting. I mean, this is so exciting because what, what happened in Web2? We saw that the primary catalyst for the growth of Web2 was when it went mobile in the late you know, 2010s, right? That was such a big moment for, I remember my first iPhone and all of a sudden I was getting apps and all of a sudden that was my whole experience was the mobile experience. And so what we've seen is on the Web3 mobile side, since in January 2019, we had about just under 40 mobile Web3 mobile apps. And fast forward to March of 2022, and we have almost 200 mobile apps. So over 500% growth, still young. But what's really interesting is that I think a lot of people assume that a lot of the mobile apps in Web3 are gonna be, they're gonna be payment focused. They're gonna be finance focused but we're seeing that over 50% are not focused on that. The big apps that are be doing really well are things like token proof which you yep. use to, you know, access events, token gating for events. Things like Sweatcoin which is a move to earn app where you can, you know, move and gain tokens. Things like Audius which is a basically a Spotify or a SoundCloud where you can listen to music and earn tokens for listening to music or you can post playlists and earn tokens for posting playlists. So we're seeing much different types of apps, which are more engaging to the mass audience than, mm-hmm. you know, just a DeFi app that
2: I yeah. think were the earlier ones to come out. I mean, it's pretty simple. Like I have a folder on my phone, you know, on the front page. And that's what it's always about. It's like getting your app on the front page because mm-hmm. second you get on that second page, usage drops off significantly. But I have a folder called blockchain. And when I started there were, you know, three apps in it and I have 20, right? So it's, it's you know, and I know we're first movers, but like it's coming and gaming, especially like casual gaming, no doubt. Yeah.
1: Well, you can see in this chart, like the, when you look at the chart, it's kind of a steady incline. And then all of a sudden in 2022, it just takes off and you have that like hockey stick curve, you call it, where it's just basically going exponential at this point. And so, which makes sense, right? 2020 and 2021 was when all the money came in. It's when all the builders came into the space. And apps take a while to build, right? Good apps anyway. And so now 2022 is when, okay, everything, all that investment we had, all those people that came in, they're starting to launch their apps. And so I expect this to just continue to go completely exponential. I would bet in 2023 as well. The only reason it might not is, so this is tracking those that have Web3 in the title, the subtitle, or the description of their app. And I assume that apps are gonna start to not use the term Web3 anymore. And they're sure. just gonna use digital collectibles and virtual gear and things like that. And so like this thing isn't counting Instagram because I'm sure Instagram doesn't have Web3 even though that is now a Web3 app, right? So we'll see how they go in terms of, we'll have to maybe find a new way to measure this. But I think this just continues to skyrocket in terms of apps that use Web3 technology, except for yep. the fact that Apple is kind of being a bit of a you know, blocker here, but we'll see where that goes.
0: okay next up number six the sixth trend is the metaverse is not quite here yet it's not quite here yet even though it's a term that is so used and this is in the interesting few charts that they show here they show a chart of u.s searches for the metaverse which peaked in Q3, like November of 2021. It was actually right around when Meta made the announcement, or Facebook made the announcement that they were switching to Meta. So it really pushed that term mainstream. And then we've seen a drop-off in searches. Now, mm-hmm. what they compare that to though is metaverse mentions in earnings calls. So these are calls that public companies have once a quarter, and the mentions in earning calls has gone exponential from it being basically zero in 2020 to almost 600 Mm. mentions in early 2022. So what we're seeing, and there was one just recently was Roblox. So Mm. Roblox Mm. in their recent earnings call, which was just, I think two weeks ago, they mentioned that they are looking at NFTs. And now they were very, you know, when you talk about earnings calls, these are always like a bit cryptic and they're not giving exact details. But basically what they said was that they were looking at launching limited items that resemble NFTs. So they're probably Hmm. going to be NFTs. They're just, again, they won't use NFTs. And I mean, Roblox, you're talking about 260 million monthly active users. One of Mm -hmm. the biggest platforms in the world for gaming. So
1: there's a lot coming on this, on the metaverse. Andrew, are they they minting on Arbitrum? Are they minting on Arbitrum?
2: (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, I will say, I mean, I will say just in general, like I, I agree with all this. And I think at the end of the day, just like you said before, you know, it takes time to make great apps. I think it takes time to make great games. I've worked with, mm-hmm. you know, most of the big publishers or even like when I was at CA Will Wright was a client who created the Sims. And, you know, I just remember, you know, understanding kind of how long it took to build and, you know, build such a giant following an ecosystem. But, you know, even for us at Arbitrum, like gaming right now, is just exploding. I mean, we've got the Beacon settlement launched tomorrow, Friday. We've got AI Arena, which is like Smash Brothers 3.0, you know, Metagates, which is like an MM RPG, you know, Knights of Ether, Damn Pirate Society. I mean, there's so much coming. And again, like, it is early, right? You looked at the early Mm -hmm. games of Staking. Now you're going to look at games that probably look like, you know, Nintendo back in the day. And then Mm soon we're going to get, we're going to get Xbox. And then we're going to get, you know, it's just going to keep going. It's just, it takes time, you know. But I think, like, evolutions in... In gaming evolutions in metaverse will probably start to also converge, and I think that's part of maybe what is is just making this so slow is everything still fragmented and it takes time, you know.
1: Well, and it's interesting that gaming didn't make these top eight. You'll see we have two more after this, and gaming's not there. Uh-huh. But uh, but Andrew, it sounds like Arbitrum is just seeing a, like a whirlwind of so many new games coming onto Arbitrum. Is that Arbitrum Nova or is that which one? Yeah, it yeah, on it's Nova.
2: It's yeah, it's definitely Nova. I mean, I think you know if we look at like Arbitrum one, I mean, it's the home of DeFi. Like, it's every major DeFi player is there. We look okay. at Nova. And and part of why we built it as the new home of social and gaming. So social, obviously Reddit's already on there. You know, I do think things like lens, I'd love to see eventually multi-chain on there. And then for gaming, it just makes sense, right? Because it's like the transaction speeds are so fast. The fees are so, you know, minimal. And then obviously with the new nitro stack, like that's the, you know, the speed went up about 10 X. So I think now folks are going like, this is the place to build a game of the future, especially. And, uh, you know, I can't leak anything, but I definitely have been talking to a lot of founders, many of which are coming from the traditional gaming space also and like the fact that they just intuitively know this is the place to build is very exciting for me so So, is it is it existing games that are now
1: wanting to build on blockchain and use web3 stuff or is it like they want to just go build a completely new game
2: it's new stuff And, and i assume this would happen but what i'm seeing is like folks that come from big traditional publishers, you know, partnering with folks that come from Web3, whether they're Web3 gaming folks or Web3 developers. And this is where you're going to start to, I think, see some of this come in. Like, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, we're going to see Nintendo-esque type stuff, like early Nintendo-esque type stuff. I assume we're going to see things that look and feel like board game, you know, mechanics Mm -hmm. and engine. But again, you just have to think through like the evolution of traditional gaming and we'll probably follow a very similar path. It's just, we'll get from point A to point B a lot faster, you know?
1: Right. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, well, S- Smallverse, which
2: is oh, one of nice. Treasure DAO's big games, and also built on Arbitrum, is very. Also, cool. Scottie Pippen is rocking a Smallverse these days. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: and it done great with their brand and great community, but also feels very much like Nintendo. Like when you say Nintendo, yes. I look at Smallverse and I'm like, that is, that's Super Mario Brothers, right? Yeah, there.
2: yeah I remember like the, one of the first meetings I had at Arbitrum was with the founders of Treasure who are like some of the nicest and smartest people I've met in Web3. And I literally said to them on the call, like you guys are like the future Nintendo. And they're like, we like to think of ourselves that way. So I think you're pretty spot on, yeah. Mm-hmm. And even on their site, I don't, one of the things I find so interesting is they listed as cartridges, which I think is, as a marketer, I love it because I think it's just a fun. Thing to play with but cool. it's also like way to lean into that notion you know
1: totally, so kids totally. these days like what the heck's a cartridge
2: i know what <laughs> <laughs> looks to the old a-track player give yeah.
0: you know? me 30 seconds to give you guys a couple more quick news items here on yeah. the metaverse before we move on to the next one cool. i'm going to try to cram these in sandbox is doing another land sale. Let's not have the land sale debate, should metaverse sell land or not. That's a whole debate we're not going to unbox right now. But what's interesting about this is the partners they brought on. So Sandbox has done a great job of bringing on partners. They got Snoop Dogg, Paris Hilton, Tony Hawk, Playboy, a whole bunch of large brands that are participating in this land sale and building in the Sandbox metaverse. And look, this is, you know, you compare this to Roblox, it's still very small. You're only talking about 200,000 monthly active users, sure. but they are definitely at the leading edge. And so that's interesting to see. Thanksgiving in the US, as we've mentioned a few times, is today. And the first ever virtual pre- parade is happening. So Macy's does their Thanksgiving parade, which is a massive event. I've never been. I don't know, Andrew, if you've been, but I've been you know, and actually,
2: I have, I have no joke. I filmed with the actual Santa from the parade, which is he is a celebrity. <laughs> and what I will say is like, Macy's just having worked with them on the parade, you know, when I was at NBC universal, like they're very particular in terms of the parade. This is not something they screw around with. So when I saw this announcement go out, I was like, this is interesting because they, there's no way they would have done this jeopardize the integrity of. A, a very valuable franchise for them. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm, That's a good point. Mm-hmm. And w- what was cool about this is they are partnering with, so you can, so this means anybody in the world can access the Mates parade. Parades. the big thing about the metaverse cool. is the access for anybody in the world. You know, I've never been to it, but now I can go experience it online in this virtual experience. They didn't use the word metaverse again, mm-hmm. using the word virtual. Here we go again. But they partnered with, vfriends cool cats few of the large nft brands and so those brands in this virtual experience will have floats so those that's brands are good so there's a V friend float in the virtual cool. experience and you can vote on the the nft floats that are in there and whichever one wins gets a float, a real life float in the Macy's parade next
2: Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, shit. <laughs> that's sick.
2: congratulations, Macy's on doing your own research and or hiring someone that really knows what they're doing. Cause this is a great example of like how to do it correctly. I mean, where my head, I, you know, I hadn't dug in, but my, where my head originally went was, oh, it's just going to be virtual versions of the actual float parade, which is what a typical web two brand would do. But that's a really smart way to lean into what I would call like the crypto native community. You know, yeah. this
1: that's such a key thing. And I know number eight, which we're only going to touch on is about the teams being built in these companies, but you need to bring on someone who is crypto native. If you want to launch into crypto (laughs) web three, don't bring on someone that's like surface level, it can't be like computers. your digital guy is now your web three yeah. guy. Like, that yeah, doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what most
2: companies do. Yeah.
1: Right. Like they need to have been in this space for a while and they need to be on Twitter. They need to be in discord. They need to be like in the weeds because yeah. you can do some really cool stuff like Macy's doing here that we're all crypto natives. Yeah. And we're like, wow, that's sick. But the person who did this or team who did this must have been natives for this to be a thing. because mm-hmm. it is really Yes.
2: Cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I think it's I think it's very well done. Yeah.
1: Okay. Seventh trend. Our
0: future is multi-chain? I'm going to put a question mark on this one because (laughs) I think that there's a debate to be had here. But what Vayner3 is saying is they believe the future to be multi-chain mainly because what they're showing is NFT drops by blockchain. Mm -hmm. And if you look back at early 2022, 50% of NFT drops were on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. Now, if you fast forward to Q3 of 2022, Only 25% were on Ethereum. Uh, Mm. Polygon has grown a lot. Tezos has taken some of it. But the biggest growth is actually in the other category, which unfortunately they don't show
1: what is considered other here. So
0: yeah, I'm going to, what do you guys think? Is the future
1: multi-chain? I
0: thought thought everything's going to be on
1: Arbitrum. I thought everything's going to be on Arbitrum. (laughs) I'll go first and then I'll let you take it over. My thought is this. I think... Yes, we've seen a lot of different chains and a lot of activity on other chains over the last couple of years, mainly because you just couldn't do it on Ethereum. So everyone was forced to go elsewhere. Flow being the one that's really took a lot in the enterprise side of things, right? And Solana as well. Um, but for me, the thing that I keep seeing is a lot of these chains just keep falling to the wayside. They don't, you know, They don't prioritize security and decentralization and all the things that we need out of a blockchain that blockchains are meant to do. They don't prioritize, they fall to the wayside. Imagine we had some of these enterprises building on Luna right and now look at what would have happened that would have been so damaging to this industry yeah. thankfully they were not big in nfts so that didn't happen so and then you have the biggest the second biggest of ethereum is polygon which is getting all of the big companies right now which is great but what's polygon looking to do they're looking to bridge over to become an l2 of ethereum so mm-hmm. do i think that we have a multi chain world i don't think it's the multi chain world that everyone thinks it is i think it's a multi layer 2 chain world and i think there will <laughs> be, be many layer 2 chains because They can prioritize security, right, via Ethereum, and they can focus on speed and cheapness and all that kind of stuff. And so I think, yeah, there's going to be thousands of chains, right? There's going to be thousands of Arbitrum chains. There's going to be thousands of, this is my assumption anyway, of all these different Are you releasing
2: some Arbitrum Alpha
1: right now? (laughs) (laughs) Where this all goes. They all plug into Ethereum, and then I think that to me is where I see the future going because yeah. they all need to be EVM, right? They all need to be able to speak to each other. Like when you think of things like Lens Protocol and all these, like they need to be multi-chain for sure, but you, it's very difficult to do that from Ethereum over to Solana, but you can do it from Ethereum to Arbitrum to Polygon because they're all written in the same way and they're all EVM compatible. So. I just think it's gonna eat the world, the EVM. And I think mainly it's gonna be on layer twos because it just makes a lot more sense. And mm-hmm. look, just look at the trends. Yes, we had a lot of usage on other chains in the last couple of years. That's all going away, right? It's all converging towards mainly Ethereum to mm-hmm. and Intel twos. And I would bet the nine in these others here are probably Arbitrum, Optimism, like all these layer immutable X, et cetera. I don't know for sure, but that's just my assumption. The only yeah. one that's like kind of different here is Flow which has been able to get a bunch of big clients somehow with NBA and NFL, Mm -hmm. et cetera. But do they continue there? I don't know. I mean, they went there because it was cheap. It's easy. They had a good biz dev team, whatever, but now Immutable X is also free and Arbitrum Nitro is next to free and and is basically way more secure than flow. So do they end up moving that way? That's my assumption, but we'll see. That's my thought.
2: I strongly believe the future is multi-chain, and those chains are Arbitrum One and Arbitrum Nova. No, I'm just kidding. The, uh, <laughs> I definitely believe in a multi-chain future. I definitely agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, I you know, for Arbitrum, it's like we don't, this is serious. Like we tweet out jokingly, like Arbitrum equals Ethereum. We mean that because, you know, our mission is to scale Ethereum, right? And there's a reason the company's named Arbitrum and it's not named after a specific technology. And that's that we don't know in five years what that technology is going to be. We don't know in 10 years what that technology is going to be, but we know that we're going to be focused on scaling Ethereum with whatever the best available tools are at that point in time, right? So that's like a little piece of inside baseball for you. I think another thing that I would just call out is for us, you know, as a proper layer two, like, we are literally borrowing the security and decentralization of Ethereum and then building a scalability layer on top of it. You know, one of the things that I found interesting when I got in was I assumed we would maybe build, you know, a layer two on other chains and we haven't today. And I'm not going to say like why that is or why that isn't, but I think like a lot of what you talked about kind of aligns with that rationale and thinking, you know, and then, you know, obviously last thing to call out is like with the acquisition of of Prismatic Labs and our, we call it Merge 2.0, you know, we have another gigantic engineering team that was part of, you know, the team truly building, you know, Ethereum and again just looking at the quality of builders right now like I do believe layer 2 is the future you know how many multi chains is the question you know are we looking at you know bridges across all of them who knows are we looking at native bridges you know we have a native bridge I think there's a lot of questions there but like, I definitely strongly believe that the future is multi chain yeah
0: right. one more piece of news that came out this week just on this was or on from the blockchain world was polygon partnered with Magic Eden so Polygon is now on Magic Eden. I feel like we talk about Polygon and Magic Eden every week. So it's great to see bridge see that happening as well. So yeah, I think it's more debate to come here. Let's jump ahead to the final trend which I don't know if you guys have an opinion on this or if you want to dive into this. I'm tempted to to skip forward to the to Final thoughts here, but the final trend is organizations are building web three teams with a variety of approaches. And basically, this connects back to what we were saying before is, how do you build your internal team to develop your web three strategy and then to go execute on it, and they lay out three different examples, where Mm -hmm. you could have a Web3 Steerco. So you have an entire company that this would be the artifact example where Nike purchase artifact. You have an entire company that is you own that is separate from you that is building out your Web3 strategy. You could have a Web3 center of enablement, which is. Maybe not the way to do it. It's that's where you take your internal digital team and turn them into Web three. So make sure do that that
1: your internal team is a Web three team, not a Web two digital team. Make uh, sure they and then to Web
2: three academy every single week. Otherwise, <laughs> actually, it's a fun fact. Like about half my team is crypto native, half my team is not. But that's intentional. Okay. And if I were right. still at Amazon, half my team would be crypto native. Yeah.
1: Which is smart because if they're all native, then you're probably Mm -hmm. not going to get the UX you need, right? That that non-native people, because like for us, like we're so happy to grab a wallet and bridge and do all these things. It doesn't, we don't really care. We don't flinch, but you give that to a non-native person, even if they're tech friendly, they're still like, what are you talking about? So like to have the mix is actually super, super smart. I like that.
2: You know, for me, I've always taken what I call this like hybrid team approach where like I'm trying to build, I'm trying to intentionally build hybrid skill sets that don't exist. And the way I look at it is my web two, folks that come in, bring in, you know, rigor and processes and systems and things like that. And then my web three folks bring in like a true understanding of, you know, community and communications and, you know, technology. Again, you just look at, I have a weekly meeting, no joke called web three to web two or web, yeah, web three becomes, or web two becomes web three, where literally my web three folks help onboard and train my web two folks every Mm, single week. That's and the cool. idea is that over time that'll happen. And then unfortunately the web three folks will probably learn processes and systems in a way that maybe they're like, uh, I missed the web three days, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but no, it's, it's, it all works. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Okay. So that's the eight trends for this report. I just want yeah. to give a chance to give some closing thoughts. Cause there's a few closing thoughts that they have. And then I think each one of us might have some closing, closing thoughts. So on their end, a couple of things they talk about one, don't be greedy. I just yes, love don't that. Greedy. Don't be greedy. Don't just drop an NFT for the sake of dropping an NFT. You know, look for opportunities to engage in a meaningful way. Use the technology to create utility for your clients, build an ecosystem that matters. As you said, Andrew, yeah. start with scarcity. If you are yes. afraid, you don't need to drop a 10,000 collection, drop a 1,000 collection, drop a 100 collection. So yep.
1: start that. Don't that get that line is so key. Consumers no longer buy NFTs for NFT's sake. In 2021, yep. it just, if you put NFT on it, people would I buy do. it. But <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore. And people need to wrap their head around that, that the prices you were selling NFTs for back in the day and the amount of money that NFT products we're making, that's no longer a thing. That is gone, right? thats That was part of a speculative mania. It's different now. Now you need to
2: build real products with these other things. Yes. And I would also extend the greediness beyond just money. Don't be greedy with consumer attention. What I really don't want to see in Web3 is I don't want to see this wild garden mentality continue to emerge where one company's, I'm going to own the metaverse and no one else is going to be a part of it. I think that's part of the issue with Web2 right now. So, you know, let's let's not just share in the money. Let's also share in the attention.
0: The other trend, uh, the other statement here that they have is lock in strong technology partners. So call Andrew and get on Arbitrum. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. Google, I think candidly, the Google cloud team's done a really nice yeah. job of this. Like we've, yeah. we've been working with them quite a bit and I've seen them also, you know, launch with other partners, but clearly they're doing like a significant amount of research and locking in strong partners, which I think again, right now, this is what you should be doing is building the infrastructure, you know. Any other final thoughts from you guys
0: on, on today's episode, today's report, and then we'll give Andrew, will give you a chance to give us any more updates out of the Arbitrum ecosystem. Oh, sure.
2: Yeah, I'll go real quick. I mean, nothing major. I mean, I thought in general, you know, shout out to Vayner3. I thought this report was really good. What I liked about it is it really took what is, you know, a very complicated and complex industry, which I think is why a lot of companies, especially in this world, make poor decisions. So I think shout out to them for leading the charge and just creating very digestible, understandable information that I think, again, is like very accurate. And I think at least, you know, even if you don't have crypto natives in house a report like this can help non-natives at least better understand these things or maybe ask better questions. So for the most part, I agree with all these things. I mean, the biggest thing that I thought was missing was gaming. And I guess, Mm -hmm. I guess social, you could kind of wrap the two together to some extent. Um, Those would have maybe been the two things that I would have leaned into more. But I would also just argue like when it comes to the social stuff, it's still very early. You know, it's like there are a couple of different technologies a la lens emerging, but it is still early. So I wouldn't be surprised if that comes in a later report. The gaming stuff, I think, you know, we are starting to see it really take off right now. I would argue again, and it is still early and they may be approaching this from a standpoint of, you know, if, if these folks are thinking of gaming from more of a traditional lens, you know, do we wait a be until gaming in Web3 looks a little more like that? So I wouldn't hold, I wouldn't hold the lack of those two categories against them in any way.
1: I think my big take from this is one, this report was extremely well done. I think it's yeah. the first of its kind to create a bit of frameworks and like really nice, like almost infographics or like yes. strategies around going to market and what these NFTs actually mean and how to think about using this stuff for enterprises specifically, oh. because It's funny, we we just don't really have that yet. And it took the last couple of years to sort of build those. And so they've sort of said, hey, here's what we've learned over the last couple of years. Here's those foundations. So what this tells me is, you know, when I look at all of these big brands we've been talking about, they've been able to bring in millions of people into Web3 without this sort of framework, right? Mm We in test phase. Well, now we're at a spot where all new enterprises can just look at this and have the, not a full playbook yet, we're not there, but at least have a good foundation, which no one had before. And so that means if we're already bringing in millions without a foundation, now we have a foundation, like how fast does this scale moving forward, right? That's what's kind of exciting for me. And I think just my last piece here is, and I just wrote this on Monday, it comes out as a deep dive, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, crypto is dead, but Web3 is thriving is what it was called, (laughs) which is. You know, there's all this grim, there's all this, you know, fear right now going on in the space and the money side of blockchain and crypto looks really bad. And I get that. And at Thanksgiving, I feel bad for everyone who has to go to their families and try to explain what happened to their investment that they got them in last Thanksgiving. But when you look at the Web3, the tech side of this, if you forget the money side and you look at the tech, what this is doing, I mean, the biggest companies in the world are all playing around in this. They're bringing in millions of their customers, of their audiences, like you said, with Macy's, what a huge play that is. And so it's just, I don't think that Web3 has ever been thriving more than it is right now. Like it's, people are so scared, (laughs) but holy shit, the adoption is just going Mm -hmm. crazy across so many levels. So it's actually a very exciting time in this space if you're not paying attention to the price and instead yes. looking at the technology and its adoption.
2: I couldn't agree more with everything you said. And I think like one thing that you said that I just want to lean into is I agree with you. I think right now we have major power players bringing in large amounts of, you know, new folks into web. We're going to use the word web three now because you said crypto's dead. I think a key thing to, to think about, and I'm going to go back to kind of my Amazon days, is the notion of LTV, right? Lifetime value, long-term value, whatever you want to call it. I think one of the things that's going to be really important, whether it's, you know, A meta or a Google or Twitter or whoever it is, is bring that mass in, right? And then really think about that LTV journey, right? So it's not your Macy's, you're not bringing people in, they're experiencing the parade, and then there's nothing happening until that float airs next year. You know, how are you now using those folks to expose them to new areas of Web3, of crypto, you know, maybe again, Cross chain that bridge to something else, but I think it's I think it's on all of us, not just to drive you know these mass adoptions and massive on ramps. We you know we call it the mainstream consumer, but I think it's really important that we continue to support them throughout that entire journey, so that at the end of that journey, they are where they should be and where we all want to be. You know, absolutely.
1: Yeah,
2: Jay, you have any final thoughts on the report? What were your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, I think that it's really I really just am so pumped about as you said the way that we are now building actual utility. Like I get so excited about the token ticketing is so exciting to me. And it's so early in that, you know, I think that I just, I think about myself attending events and, you know, I've been to so many, I'm a big music guy. I've been to so many music concerts. I would love if in the future I could be at a, you know, I'm at Coachella for example, Mm -hmm. and I can, go to and uh, go to a special stage or go to a special lounge for people mm-hmm. who have attended certain artists, you know, concerts in the past. So, yeah. Oh yeah. You're also a fan of Rufus to So am I. Okay, great. Now we can connect and token gating just really allows that. And so the community aspect of the token gating side and the token ticketing side is so exciting to me, not just in the event, but then after the event as well, you know, I'm a big Burn- burning man guy. I've been to burning man several times being able to really (laughs) outside. Yeah. Do I look like it? My wife was there too, by the way, being able to connect outside of burning man with fellow burners because of tokens, which can bring us together.
2: And, Oh, you were at that one. So was I, you know, when you talk about soulbound, imagine you got a a commemorative camp badge for every year you're at that camp. And then that just becomes a memento that you're never going to sell, you know? Yeah.
0: So I get really excited for that. And then mobile too. I mean, please, everybody that's building mobile. Thank you so much. The more we get mobile on the Web3 side, it's going to really ramp things up. So it's exciting times. That's the thing. That's the thing, you know, it, as you said, Kai, mm-hmm. it's so hard You go to, I mean, you and I are Canadian, so we're not going to Thanksgiving dinner, but I actually have a dinner with my You mean American Thanksgiving
2: dinner? Yeah.
0: Like it's, you know, I don't have, to, I don't I'm not having that conversation with my family about what's going Thank on, you. but when you are, everybody, the, the media is so negative right now, but it's so positive in this space. Yeah. It's wild.
1: Totally. This is why you listen to Web3 Academy and not, I don't know, whatever news you guys listen to, don't you? Don't listen to the channels. Well, Andrew, thank you so yeah. much for joining us today. It was so, it was actually perfect because you're our resident enterprise guru and you happen to come in when we have the trends of the enterprise and Web3. So it was perfect because you've worked for all of these companies. So you had so much great insight. So really, uh, you know, grateful for you today for coming oh, on and, and sharing all your wisdom with us and the Web3 Academy community. Why don't you just take a second? You know, if there's anything going on in Arbitrum yeah. that we need to know or for or with you, just let our <laughs> listeners know and give us an update.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I won't overshill, but, uh, you know, things to just know, you know, we love a good AMA at Arbitrum. It's gotten Mm kind of crazy, like seeing things in the 5,000, you know, 4,500 range pretty regularly. So definitely jump into those. Great way to just onboard and learn because, you know, our ecosystem, I mean, I I think we're around like 500, you know, partners already are building on top of Arbitrum. So even for wow. me, sometimes it's hard to stay on top of all of it. So the AMAs are great because it's just a great way to hear firsthand from founders, like what they're doing, what they're building. And then we do actually take all of those and put them up on our YouTube channel indefinitely. So you can go back and learn more. We also broke 400,000 on Twitter, which is super exciting. You know, I think when I joined, we were in the, the kind of mid twos. So pretty crazy growth, even for someone that used to work at a social media company, you know, Tastemade, I didn't see growth rates that fast. So that was exciting. And then we it's all know what at happens. Arbitrum, right? Yeah, at Arbitrum, Arbitrum, Arbitrum? which is our main handle. And one quick thing I would just say is, you know, we do house all of our official handles there. So there's always folks trying to kind of pretend to be us, just, you know, use that as a reference and a guide. There is something special that will happen when that account breaks 5,000, which Arbinauts know what it is. I won't share on here. And then last thing that I would just give a shout out for is we just launched a new handle called Arbitrum Core. And part of the rationale behind this is, again, we have such an enormous ecosystem and so many partners. You know, how do we also bring all of their news and announcements to light? We also have a lot of chads in the community how do we celebrate those people <laughs> and help them build their own followings as well so definitely tap into arbitram core if you haven't yet and then i'm you know i'm at andrew saunders as usual and yeah that's the those are the big things to call it oh actually one of their last thing that's kind of exciting i think folks probably saw this on twitter um Obviously at Arbitrum, you know, if you look at our co-founders, I mean, they've been in this space pretty much longer than anyone, you know, Ed, Steven, and Harry. So obviously we are very aligned with Ethereum. We're very aligned with Web3 ethos and we're definitely continuing to focus on driving decentralization. And so one of the things we announced, you know, about a week ago was an expanded validator set, which is super exciting. And, you know, I'll tell you who's in that one Ethereum foundation, which on a personal level for me was super exciting. Cause again, this notion Mm of Arbitrum is Ethereum. Well, Ethereum is now one of our, one of our validators, Mm -hmm. which is amazing consensus, obviously everybody knows who that is. L2Beat, who I personally just love like the dashboards that they build are incredibly helpful Brilliant. for anyone that's interested in the L2 space. Uh, Mycelium, you know, a really great kind of DeFi company that's emerging on Arbitrum. P2P, QuickNode, who we've also worked with quite a bit on other things. The IFF, Unit410, and then obviously OffChain Labs, which is, you know, technically where I work, we're also a validator. So so that was really exciting for us. And then as you could expect, like we're just going to continue to push towards more and more decentralization over time, which is, uh, which is what it's all about,
1: you know? When Google Cloud validated. On
2: so, Google Cloud is a formal formal partner of ours, but you know, obviously, I can't speak on their behalf or talk about what they're they're working on. But very bullish and a big fan of those guys. Yeah, yeah.
1: Come on, Sam, get on, get that validator. Yeah, ready Arbitrum, Sam, we love Sam and Arbitro.
2: <laughs> yeah, ATX DAO, where are you at? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's right. All right.
0: Well, that's a wrap on the show. Thanks so much for listening in. Have a happy Happy Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. Happy everybody. American Thanksgiving. Yeah, enjoy your turkey. Everybody outside of the U.S., enjoy the World Cup. Yeah, yes. w- Wish best of luck to your team. I hope, Go uh, Canada. I hope you do well. Go Canada. love that you, weekend. like, acknowledge
2: that U.S. Americans are, like, not followers of soccer. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone yeah. other than America enjoys soccer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're going to enjoy the
1: Cowboys beat the Giants today. And that's what I'm most excited about, to be honest. (laughs) Oh, boy. American football? Yeah, American football. football. (laughs) Awesome. All right. right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. Cheers. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice.